Hi, and welcome to Data in Depth, a podcast where we delve into advanced analytics, business intelligence, and machine learning, and how they're revolutionizing the manufacturing sector. Each episode, we share new ideas and best practices to help you put your business data to work. From the shop floor to the back office, from optimizing supply chains to customer experience, the factory of the future runs on data. Welcome, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Data in Depth, the podcast exploring the world of big data and its role in the manufacturing industry. I'm your host, Andrew Reiser. Today, we are joined by Chris Muto, Sales Operations Manager for ProTech, North America's leader in containment and multi-use plows. Chris has over 14 years experience in sales, sales operations, logistics, business process optimization within the OEM, construction equipment dealers, and truck upfitters industries. Specifically, within the past three years, Chris has been helping ProTech digitally transform to enhance the customer experience. Welcome, Chris. Great. Thank you for having me. So, Chris, we always like to learn a little bit more about your journey in your own words. Maybe you can share a little bit more context on your career and specifically how data and digital transformation are at the center of that evolution. Yeah, so after I graduated from college, um, I went right to work in the manufacturing industry. I didn't have a job right after school, so I I went to Florida State University. I ended up moving home, living with mom and dad, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. And Rochester is just a big city with a lot of uh, manufacturing companies. So I went to work right in manufacturing. That company had been established and had a well-implemented ERP and CRM system. There were a lot of automotive customers, a lot of large OEM customers that that we were manufacturing for. So certifications, et cetera, all these things were in place. So I knew what a good functioning back office could look like and function like. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, I came to ProTech, which was a growing company at the time. They were growing fast, and they had very little back office function. It was actually quite dysfunctional. So I came from this functioning environment all the way to this dysfunctional environment, but I liked the growth and everything that was going on here, so I, I stuck around. But over the years, the last decade or so, you know, we really have grown, and I've been at the forefront of ensuring that our internal infrastructure and systems continue to allow that growth to succeed for us. That's great. So we'll dive into that a little bit more, but maybe you can just give us the elevator pitch on ProTech. So who are you all? What do you manufacture, et cetera? Yes. So we are the largest containment plow manufacturer in North America. We're vertically integrated. Essentially, we're just a large glorified welding shop. So we're manufacturing large snow plows. We employ 30 full-time welders. We utilize several different robotics and automation features on our shop floor. Some of the things we pride ourselves on are are the value of our products, the availability of our products, being seasonal. They have to be available in your market and able to get delivered exactly on time. Otherwise, it's useless if they're not there before a large storm or when disaster strikes. Right. We do a lot with customer data for a company that's our size, a lot of marketing, and we just strive to really be an, an easy company to do business with. That's great. That helps set the stage for sure. So let's rewind a couple years. And I love the context that you gave of working for an established kind of mature organization and then going into a a rapidly growing organization that needed to kind of figure out all these uh, systems and processes. So about three years ago, you guys embarked on really moving toward a more complete back office. And with that decision was the choice around cloud-based ERP versus your traditional ERP. So can you talk us through how that topic came up, how you helped influence that, how ProTech and you specifically were thinking about cloud versus traditional on-premise? Yeah, what really brought us to that crossroads was we had old, outdated, and poorly implemented ERP system that was running on a server 
that was really, it was running its course, the server. It was, it was on borrow time. So we had this old on-prem system that was already outdated and the choice to invest more money back into that just didn't make any sense. Our CRM ran on a separate SQL server. That too was getting old and tired. The CRM was outdated, not able to do modern tie-ins with other apps and marketing automation that we needed. So really the decision came down, hey, do we put money into these old things or do we look at something like a new solution? Being that it was 2016 at the time and the cloud was really starting to pick up steam then, it drew all our attention into the cloud and that's where we looked at several different cloud offerings and really settled on building our business on the force.com platform. Yeah, I think you touch on a, a lot of really key points there. So I think a lot of manufacturers are in the same boat. Security used to be one of those concerns of, well, we can control things within our four walls better than something that's out on the internet. But I think a lot of those myths have kind of gone by the wayside. And now a lot of businesses are realizing they can be more agile and more effective and, and have better security and better trust in systems that are, are cloud-based so that they can focus on what they do best within the organization rather than making sure that the infrastructure and networks and, and all that fun stuff are, are up to snuff. Yeah, and our IT director at the time had certainly questions about data security. And at the time, he had this elaborate system of tapes and drives and things that he was taking home and swapping out to these different safes. And, you know, yep. <laughs> we don't have to do that anymore, luckily. But in hindsight, it's kind of funny, but it's what it's what companies did before the cloud. Uh, I know you're giving me like deja vu of uh, a company that I worked for about eight years ago. I found it to be so comical when the IT uh, gentleman that I worked with there literally was doing exactly what you described taking tapes back home with them so that we would have a, an off-site backup. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so, so that's some good context. So let's drive into the expectations that businesses have nowadays as it relates to this and specifically manufacturers. So the three areas that, that I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into are customer expectations and experiences. And so we like to sometimes refer to this as the, the Amazon effect, right? Where everybody wants information, everybody wants insights into where the status is of something and really just have that high expectation for a customer service experience that encompasses that. The next item is needing to do more with less. So I think when we get a little bit further along in the discussion, we'll start hitting on some of these items, but traditionally manufacturers look to hire more bodies to solve problems. And I think everywhere from the front office to back office to shop floor, more and more areas of opportunity are presenting themselves to introduce automation and introduce technology to combat that. Uh, and then the last item that you kind of touched on already is the need for better insight. And so by having these systems and, and measures in place, you now have access to a wealth of data. And, and how do you view that data and get the insights from that data? So if you don't mind, Chris, let's talk through each of those. And the first one was the, the customer expectations and experiences. So how are you viewing those at, at ProTech? Yeah, so I mean, obviously you really nailed it with the Amazon effect and you know everyone wants an Amazon experience. In addition, customers want free shipping on everything, which goes back strategically to things that we've been able to do with the scale and size of our business to implement that and use that as a marketing piece and gain business. You know, they want free shipping, they want email order confirmations, they want a ship date provided right away, they want an invoice, they want tracking numbers, they want all this information thrown at them in an automated fashion. We were just unable to do that with, with our old systems. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of times old systems, they're adding to an internal lead time and becoming cumbersome, so they're taking business processes too long to function 
and that is either leaving your back end team, the, the execution side, I mean, guys in the warehouse and, and people that are actually building product, you're giving them less heads up and less notification to make up for what you've bungled in the front end because you don't have good business processes and good systems to support that. So we've really streamlined that front end lead time that our operation side is able to get information much quicker to start fulfilling orders, seeing where product needs to be built, resources allocated to execute something. You know, we've also picked up work as a contract manufacturer and these companies that we're doing contract manufacturing for, they're much larger than we are. They expect who they give this work to a company to look sharp and have its ducks in a row. And us having this nice rootstock ERP system and its connectedness to the internet allows us to constantly be giving them good, sharp information and oftentimes pulling reports or sorts of printable templates that are on our letterhead and look consistent in a professional manner. So, you know, we like to say, hey, we try really hard for our small office staff to provide a big office experience for our customers. Yeah, that's a great way of thinking about it. And I think that that's definitely the direction that we see a lot of manufacturers evolving into. Some being forced into it just because of the necessity and the need, but it's it's really just the right thing to do. So regardless of the Amazon effect, people have high expectations around their experience. And so it's, it's great to hear you guys really focusing on that and putting the customer and, and those that you do business with at the center of these discussions. Yeah, you know, and, and one thing is with manufacturers, especially in what we do, I mean, as, as metal workers, as welders, as these heavy manufacturers, I guess I'd like to call it, that we're slower to change, honestly, you know, but our customers, as they're interacting with companies that are not manufacturers, they're buying things that are on Amazon, are on different online shopping platforms, and they don't understand that, hey, you're this shop that's in a 110-year-old refurbished railroad manufacturing building, and we don't care that it's messy and there's welding sparks and, and torches going on and stuff. You know, we, we still want a front-end glamorous bow tie of information and automation coming to us. And our industry has been slow to respond to what customers just expect, honestly. We feel like we were on the forefront of that and we pride ourselves on, on staying that way. Fantastic. So let's go to the next topic, which is the need to do more with less. And so a lot of times we think about as we scale, being able to, to put those systems and automation in place. Perhaps you can give us some examples of where within the business you guys have embraced technology in this new platform to do some automation so that you can provide that big office experience with the smaller staff. Yeah, as the business has changed, we sell mainly to dealers and distributors. And the way things are going, everyone's monitoring cash flow tighter, better, differently than they were five, 10 years ago. Dealers are stocking a lot less products. So what that means is, even though they're doing the same amount of volume with us, dollar-wise, or even in most cases, greater volume, they're being spread out over more transactions as opposed to larger bulk orders. Earlier in the season, we're seeing later and more transactions. The old way of doing things with paper and putting things on someone's desk and having to go to this department for an approval or a workaround or something just wouldn't exist. I mean, we're literally doing 200% more transactions and we're not even near maxing out what our office staff is capable of doing and we don't need to add office staff. Being seasonal, the, the transactions ebb and flow. So if we are to hire someone just for a busy stretch during the end season, what do we do with that person during the summer? That poses a problem. Right. That makes sense. And so I'm doing a little bit of research and, and reviewing ProTech's company history. I also see that you guys are starting to explore automation on the shop floor as well. So can you maybe touch a little bit on that and, and where you see not only the, the introduction of automation, but where the future of that might go as well to help you all scale? 
Yeah, obviously robotics, they're gathering information, they're pouring information back into systems as far as efficiency, runtimes, they're, they're gathering data as far as what to do next, drawings and, and all these sorts of things that are stored now increasingly on the cloud. You know, with our ERP system and our ability to kick out work orders and different things quicker and in a better fashion monitor inventory turns, we're accustomed to more short runs on some things. Our ERP system is really helping us get that data quicker to the shop floor and then the robots and the other pieces of automation help us to execute in a quicker, more flexible manner. And especially the fact of the ERP system and the side of we didn't have work orders that we've been hitting our shop floor before. So it could have been when you work on a setup run for a robot or, or an automated plasma table, you want to be somewhat efficient because there is some time in getting the setup going. You want to be efficient in the run size that gets out there. So the RERP system is really helping us to bring batches of work out to the shop floor more efficiently as well. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I think that you alluded on a lot of this, but I'll just try to summarize. So with these efficiencies, with these introduction of technology and and automation, a lot of manufacturers historically used to make to stock and anticipate based off of historical buying cycles, what inventory they needed to have on hand. And I think now based off of what you're describing and based off of all this access to information, it makes it a lot easier for manufacturers and companies like you all to really kind of make to order and, and have that agility and that flexibility so that you aren't constrained by that 100 percent, you nailed it cool so with this podcast focusing around data let's dive deeper there so obviously with better insights you can touch all aspects of the business and so insights into your data and specifically around in customers so we alluded to their buying patterns and habits and not only the history but anticipation of, of what they are going to need in the future and that can roll over into replacement parts we also talk about the supply and value chain so what all you need to do to work with your vendors and suppliers as well as operations and just market trends so there's a, a lot of different aspects and can you maybe just tell us how how you think about each of these from a data perspective and, and maybe what some of those key performance indicators are that you monitor to understand the direction of, of the business and what's working and what's not working? Yeah, you know, a key piece I'm looking at are the open orders that exist. How long have they been open? When are they supposed to be getting filled? I'm getting an upcoming look at what is shipping and what the constraints are as far as inventory that's already allocated to shipments and what's available to ship and how to get product out the door faster. One of the things I do oversee is our fulfillment department as well, so I'm very curious in that, and I have an inventory dashboard. Previously, we had zero insight into our inventory prior to Rootstock ERP, so we didn't know what was getting low, what was maybe moving slow, and and we can take back to marketing and say, hey, can we prioritize this on our website? Can we run a sale or something on this particular product? just temporarily even to increase its speed at which it's selling. And then I'm also helping out on our sales side and I'm looking at, you know, your basic Salesforce metric, which are your opportunities, what's in the pipeline. I I assist our sales manager and I'm ensuring that I'm doing whatever I can to support the efforts on the sales side. Yeah, I would imagine maybe you can share some of the best practices that you see that have started to shape up within ProTech because you now have access to this data. And what I mean by that is you alluded that that previously there there were pretty big disconnects and gaps and not having that information. But now I just envision you probably have a better collaboration between sales and operations because you have real data that you can have more meaningful conversations around. Yeah, 100%. I mean, lead times across the board are 
are down. We never had extreme lead times, extremely long lead times, I should say, but even now today they, they've come down significantly. What we're able to push out the door in a single given period of time has increased significantly. You know, we're really integrating our, our shop floor with the office in ways that we hadn't seen before. Just the way that our shop floor guys are even, you know, getting work orders and able to report on them. It gives them more of a feeling of a cohesiveness as well and that's been a morale boost honestly guys see that hey okay they're making moves in the office to give us more flow better stability you know and it just shows them that there is opportunities as they grow in their roles to become management manage some of these things and then further increase what our shop floor capabilities are with with this knowledge yeah, absolutely. I, I think you are spot on around those things. Sometimes I think regardless of whether you think about it from a CRM standpoint or an ERP standpoint, oftentimes when new systems get introduced and, and data is available, I think sometimes a culture perceives that in a negative way, like this is micromanaging, but I'm glad you highlighted that it's actually the opposite. It actually fosters better collaboration and better insights and, and gets people more motivated because they're seeing the impact that they're making and how those numbers are changing and those key performance indicators are being impacted. So that's feedback that we get from a, a lot of folks that are going through this digital transformation that I think also helps snub that myth of this is just another management tool. Yeah, you know, another thing that's really been a nice side effect is we're literally, since we started this, adding tens of thousands of dollars of extra revenue just because now what our product ships, it's a large truck of snow pushers that are shipping out. They're on a flatbed. It's not in an enclosed trailer. It's not all loaded up nice and neat on pallets. So it's just still a fairly big deal when one of these truckloads ships. Our customers have to know it's coming. They have to have staff there to unload it, somebody who can do it safely, place to store it, so they know when loads are coming. But they'll always say, hey, before you ship this, can you just add this product to this load? Can you add this? If you have it in stock, can you throw this on? Well, it was really difficult to do that before. One, we didn't know if we had it in stock. Number two, the process of actually adding to an order, especially in the act of it being fulfilled, was so cumbersome that the internal office staff didn't even want to do it, even if we had the product in stock. Now it's so much more flexible and fluid with how we can transact that we're able to make those add-on orders as the truck and product are getting loaded up that we couldn't do before. I mean, we were literally turning down business before, and now we're, we're saying, yes, 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 we can do that. That empowers our guys in our fulfillment department because they're like, yeah, we can absolutely put, the, put this on the truck. Now the paperwork side is actually able to keep up with what they're able to do, and, and it's empowering everyone, and it's literally adding tens of thousand dollars to our bottom line. That's great. So as a good segue into my, my next question. So how's executive leadership been involved in the process? And I assume that as these changes and, and their insights to this data, probably invaluable, right? I assume uh, they were flying blind and, and using gut decisions or reactions. And now they've got real data that they can work with to help influence more strategic decisions instead of being reactive. Oh, for sure. I'm not involved so much on that side of our business, but I did hear our vice president, who is also oversees all the financial side, commenting the other day about the ease at which they're able to view cash flow and upcoming commitments and make decisions based upon that. And then furthermore, turn out professional looking reports in speed in ways that we were unable to do before all of this. Perfect. 
So I think you've touched on some of these already, but it'd be great if you could just maybe give us a recap of hard numbers of, of ROI that you've seen. So maybe just reiterate some of those returns on this investment by implementing some of these process, whether it's uh, either process efficiencies or hard numbers like the, the 200% increase in the aftermarket's part of the business. It'd be good just to recap that summary because I think that's a lot of what our listeners like to hear is really where this is making impacts to the business. Yeah, like I said, you know, we're doing 200% more transactions without additional staff. We've literally added tens of thousands of dollars to our bottom line by being able to transact in a manner that's more cohesive to sometimes how we're receiving orders. Um, Our marketing department has, and and it's not necessarily Salesforce and RootStack that have done this, but it gives us a method to do things with it. We're generating thousands of more leads and Salesforce is able to act as a database to house these things, more tie in with our website and the contact forms and the other data gathering things. There's landing pages and all these things that are gathering data that are much more cohesive now. We're able to actually put an ROI onto what kind of responses we're getting from different marketing spend efforts like that. And then just the fact that we're able to train and onboard employees in a consistent fashion that transactions are repeatable And that's really how you can develop good, sound business processes and procedures is the tasks have to be somewhat standardized and repeatable. And a good system really forms the foundation for that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So one area that we didn't really dive too heavily into that I'd like to revisit is around just the notion of your sales and marketing efforts are almost like B2B to C, right? So you've got these dealer and distributor networks that you're dealing with, but ultimately you you are also trying to influence and understand the end customers and how they're leveraging your all's products. Can you maybe expand upon that a little bit and and share some insights of of how you're approaching that and thinking about that? Yeah, so we sell primarily through dealers and distributors. So we're going to trade shows, we're doing marketing efforts, we're generating organic demand for our product, but you actually, as the end consumer, do not buy it from us Protec. It's almost like Ford trucks or, or Honda yep. cars or something. You don't go to Honda the manufacturer and buy it. You go through one of their dealers. Even though the manufacturer is doing a lot of the marketing efforts, that's where we're at. We don't have good visibility a lot of times as to the end consumer of the product is. We know who bought it because we know who we shipped it to, our dealer, but we don't know who they sold it to. So what we've done is we've created on our website a warranty registration form that form gets filled out on our website and then through an automation piece that Mountain Point made for us, that then drives back into our Salesforce org into a custom object called warranty registrations and we're able to then take that data, use it for different marketing purposes. Hey, we know you've had this plow for one year, for two years. It must be ready for shoes at this point in time. It must be ready for this repair part. Hey, Mr. Customer, we know. thank you for being a loyal customer. Here's some other things to look at that we have to offer that's all automation pieces that we didn't have beforehand. No, I think that's the name of the game. So it's super exciting to see just in a short amount of time, just in the past three years, all that you guys have been able to put in place. So it's a testament to your focus and vision, Chris. And it sounds like you have a great culture at ProTech to help move this business into this new world. So the last question that we always like to ask is, What's on the horizon? So what do you see next? It sounds like you've put a lot of pieces of the puzzle in place. Where do you see the next couple of years going and and where your focus is going to be? You know, the main thing for us systems wise is going to be just continuing to shore up the dam per se, you know, just work on our fundamentals, continue to make sure that things are flowing efficiently. We have experienced quite a bit of growth recently. It's still trending in that direction. So we're not going to be taking on too much new stuff systems wise. 
but it's competitive and I'm not just saying us as the manufacturers but even the people that perform snow removal it's getting competitive companies are looking to have it done for less it's an insurance policy in the winter time for these walmarts for these office complexes that someone doesn't slip and fall so there's a liability aspect there's a lot of data in that companies are gathering more data from a liability standpoint as hey has the work actually been performed did we do what we say we're going to do that means that our plow that's engaging the ground it actually should be gathering some sort of data and companies are moving in that direction so we are looking at developing hardware that attaches to our device that's gathering data that then is feeding back into a system that we have that we can then utilize for marketing data. It can be then used for, for a contractor to bill hours of which the machine was running, yep. all this sort of stuff. So that's really where I see everything going is data. Even in an environment as Stone Age as removing snow and then furthermore making the plows out of iron and welding them together. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love it. The Internet of Things is definitely here, and I think you continue to be spot on with the next step in an evolution that we see manufacturers go through is figuring out how to take those machines and things that are in the field and, and make them into smart devices so that you can offer up and be more agile with different service offerings. So collecting all the data, it starts there, but then that also expands into new business models that, that you'll be able to take the business into. So. Very cool stuff, Chris. Uh, any last parting words that you might have? No, that's, uh, that's all I got. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate you joining us today. So for those of you listening, if you'd like to learn more about ProTech, I'd encourage you to visit ProTechCorp.com. That's P-R-O-T-E-C-H-C-O-R-P.com. And if you'd like to connect with Chris, we'll be sure to provide a link to his online profiles in the show notes along with any other relevant resources. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate the episode and subscribe to Data In Depth, available on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you might consume your podcasts. And finally, as a thank you to our listeners and supporters, we're giving you a chance to listen to our podcast in style. We're offering a chance to win a pair of Bose QuietComfort noise-canceling headphones. To enter for your chance to win, please visit our website at dataindepth.com or find us on Twitter or Facebook, and we'll have all the details listed there. Thanks again for joining us today. Data In-Depth is produced by Mountain Point, a digital transformation consulting firm focusing on the manufacturing sector. You can find show notes, additional episodes, and more by visiting dataindepth.com. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.